All right, friends. So welcome back. It has been a minute. Uh, no real good reason, just busy. And then having a hard time finding time to record where I would be like uninterrupted. So took a little bit of a longer break than I had planned, but we're back. We are here. It is all good. Today, we are going to talk about some toxic beliefs in the health and fitness industry. This is going to be part one of part two. I started getting ideas together and kind of going with it, and I realized that this is going to be way too long for one episode, so we're going to break it into two parts. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Sustainable Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Mackey, registered nurse, board-certified nurse coach, and certified personal trainer. Here, we'll discuss all things health and fitness as they apply to real life, like juggling careers, children, mental health, and just life in general. My hope is that this show simplifies health and wellness, making it more manageable for you to apply to your own life and to be a healthier human. Hey friends, welcome back to the Sustainable Wellness Podcast. It has been a minute. I've had a hard time finding time to record where I'd be uninterrupted. And even now as we speak, as it is summertime, there is yard work going on outside. So I apologize if you hear a lawnmower in the background. That would be my wonderful husband. So I apologize for that, but we're going to go with it. Um, So today we're going to talk about toxic as fuck beliefs in the health and fitness industry. And this is going to be a part one of two little series that I'll be doing. I feel like part one uh, is more so, I guess, like about the mindset about like the fitness industry. And then part two is more, I want to say tactical, but more tangible. I think that's the word I'm looking for. More like tangible stuff as far as like focused more so on like nutrition and and fitness stuff, like using exercise as a means to burn calories. And yes, it does that, but like using that as the only reason to exercise and um, doing crash dieting, stuff like that. So it's going to be a little bit more like tangible stuff. So part one is going to be more mindset, more like soft material, I guess. I don't know how else to describe that. Um, But before we get into that, uh, if you are interested in coaching, uh, I still am taking on -on one-on-one clients, although just very like minimally at this point. I probably have time for like one or two more um, because I am actually ramping up to do a group coaching offer um, called The Hive, which is going to be a six-week It's all online, more like nutrition and fitness intensive. So each week we'll cover a different topic as far as nutrition goes, and then you will get workouts. So it's like an all-inclusive, like six-week program in a small group, small supportive group, hence the name The Hive. 
uh, it's for those who kind of are of the mindset of like, we're not crush dieting, we're not doing anything super restrictive with food and exercise and stuff like that. So again, collective hive mind sort of thing. To get a taste of that, I am actually going to be releasing a freebie tomorrow that is just going to be like a little mini like ebook PDF type thing that is a way for you to incorporate more fruits and veggies in your diet. It's also going to include a um, a body weight like can do anywhere workout because most of the things that people complain about now that we're kind of getting into summertime is like lots of travel. You know, they might not have access to a gym while they're traveling or like hotel gyms are very hit or miss. Some are gorgeous, some suck. So you can even just do this like at home if you have minimal equipment. You can do it uh, in your hotel room. And not only that, like there's a lot more activities going on in the summertime too. So it might be harder for you to stick to like uh, your traditional exercise regimen and how to navigate like you know, you can still go and enjoy like the barbecue or as my three-year-old daughter likes to say, the barbecue sauce party. You can still go out and enjoy the barbecue and still find ways to get like your veggies in and stuff like that. So it's all about health promoting behaviors. And this is kind of like a little bit of like an appetizer to what the six-week program of the Hive will be, which will be much more hands-on and it'll be doing stuff each week. But this gives you a little preview. So it's kind of like a rebrand. Like if you've heard, I feel like it was popular last year, maybe the year before about like, oh, it's hot girl summer. This is going to be healthy girl summer. So if you were interested in that, it's going to go out to everyone on my email list tomorrow. You have until next Monday. So today is June 6th. It'll be released tomorrow on the 7th. And then you have until Monday the 12th to sign up for my email list to get that freebie and then it goes away forever. So if you're interested, need some quick tips, um, you know, a sample workout for you to do anywhere, then go ahead and sign up for my email list. And then that will be delivered to your inbox later this week. Um, so and that stuff like Healthy Girl Summer and The Hive, like this, I feel like is a good parallel because it does not fall into any of these toxic beliefs uh, in the health and fitness industry, either in part one that I'm going to mention today or part two that I'll mention next time. This was actually inspired by like a podcast on spirituality that I was listening to um, and the host of that show was talking about toxic as fuck beliefs in spirituality. And so I was like, obviously there's so many parallels. There's a lot in the health and fitness industry. So we are going to talk about that. Um, unfortunately these things still run rampant and I forget sometimes I feel like I'm in my own little bubble. I have curated my social media to fit that bubble. It is how I coach. It is who I associate with as far as like my friends go and other professionals that I respect in the industry. I feel like we all have abandoned these like mainstream toxic beliefs and then I still see them and I'm like, oh God, that's right. That's still a thing. And people still are of that mindset. And I feel like it does us a huge disservice. So I still see it on social media. Um, 
especially like Pinterest and Instagram for sure. They're awful offenders. And sometimes the information that I see kind of makes me want to gag because it does just a huge disservice to people. And it's good though. I guess it's not great that I kind of stay in this bubble. It's probably good that I do sort of like venture out and see this stuff every once in a while because eventually clients will ask me about it. And I want to be informed. I want to know what's going on, whether it's good or bad trends that are currently going on. Um, So it is helpful to come across that stuff every once in a while, even though it's not not my fave. Um, So I also want to say, as I get into this, I want to make it clear that this is like for part one and part two, this is my like frustration and distaste for the fitness, nutrition, health and wellness community as a whole. Like, and not like to sound like, I don't know, ridiculous or whatever, but like, the like capitalism associated with it in order for i don't know people to like basically capitalize off of people's insecurities and sell them stuff that doesn't work all that sort of thing um so if any of this makes you feel a certain way it is not directed towards you i urge you to maybe think about that. Um, you know, is it, do you feel a certain way because you are kind of following some of the things that I bring up? Again, it's not directed towards you. It's just as the, towards the industry as a whole and my frustration with that. But if you find that you are doing these things or have done things in the past, it's really just a chance to get you to start thinking and maybe consider some other viewpoints that might be healthier mindset-wise or healthier physically or more evidence-based, stuff like that. Um, That's really where my frustration comes in. It is directed at the very industry that I work in as a whole. And I feel, I just get worked up and I feel passionate about this because I, at, at the end of the day, it's like the idea of people being taken advantage of. Any of my friends will tell you that I get petty when I think that things are unfair. And this is one of those things. And it's why I get so like ugh, on edge about it. Because um, I've seen firsthand, you know, over the last 11 years of coaching and training, I have seen like the mental and physical damage that these things have done to people. So please, I promise you that anything I talk about here, really in this podcast as a whole, just like from now until the end of time, um, just like it's not towards you. It's more towards the industry and you kind of being duped into that. And I just urge you to think about it. Um. I just, I want the best for people, whether I know you personally or not. I tend to get protective of my clients and my friends and family because I care about them a lot. Um, And so I just, I don't like seeing people being treated unfairly or taken advantage of. 
and just it really bugs me so um this one like i said is focused more like on mindset and body image and stuff like that uh part two is going to be more towards more tangible stuff which i feel like i tend to get fired up about um because i don't like gimmicks because i mean it's the whole thing like i'm not into snake oil so i really feel some type of way about that uh because i feel as though people get sucked into that and get taken advantage of so we are not here for that so i have basically like three four four main topics um for today so the first one i'm gonna go into is that a toxic belief i feel as though that is sort of like mainstream i feel like if you work in the fitness industry and you've been here long enough um and you've worked with many different types of people you yourself have gone through like different phases of life uh and how your like fitness and nutrition has kind of like gone along with that i feel like we don't hold on to those types of beliefs anymore but one of the things is that fitness doesn't really have a look honestly you can't really tell how healthy or fit someone is just by looking at them. And if you think about this, one of the classic examples that I like to use is um, Olympic athletes. So, you know, bodybuilders, figure competitors, when they are in like show shape, they often feel pretty miserable mentally and physically. That amount of laziness that they are at is unattainable by most, and it's not sustainable even for people who do it professionally. They can't stay like that forever. It's literally like any sort of like photo shoot that they do or competition that they compete in. Like that is a snapshot in a moment of time, and that does not stay that way for very long. People are like dehydrated at that point. Um, you know, especially women, like our bodies like to maintain a certain level of body fat. If you drop below that amount or you're under some sort of like crazy physical and mental stress, like those things can mess with your hormones. You can lose your period. Um, you know, it can cause anxiety and depression, irritability, stuff like that. Like that's not the best place to be, even though on the outside, someone looks like super lean and jacked and they might look like the picture of health, they might not actually be that way. So that's a common, common misconception. Um, people that are overweight, quote unquote, and I use that term loosely because I think that's kind of subjective. Um, you know, if you're looking at objective data like BMI, that's not always the best indicator. And But for all intents and purposes, I'm using the adjective, but just know that I have mixed feelings about it and it's, it's not my favorite when I say something like someone is overweight. Um, so someone who is quote unquote overweight, they might be very active. They might be eating nutrient-dense food and practicing health-promoting behaviors, um, like things I talked about, like exercising and eating fruits and veggies, like in the Healthy Girl Summer Guide freebie. Um, they might be doing all those things, and they still are—they're still benefiting from them, even though they're considered quote-unquote overweight. They are still better off like doing those types of behaviors even though they might take up more space and be in a larger body than someone who is at 
who is not quote unquote overweight is in the quote unquote normal BMI range. I don't know how else to describe this, like my mixed feelings about that by <laughs> except continuing to use air quotes. So bear with me. You know what I mean? Um, they are still better off than someone who is in a smaller body that is not doing that those behaviors. So, and I think that that is sometimes overlooked. Um, I've had like a couple of clients who are like, I don't really look like I work out, but like they're strong as hell. And like they eat lots of veggies and they're super active. Um, but even like their doctors will say things like, oh, you should really lose weight. And then it's kind of frustrating because I'm like, but they're doing all the things. Literally, I see it because I see them more than once a week. And we talk about what they eat and they're taking care of their mental health and they're doing all these things. And it's like, their blood work's fine, all this stuff. And they're like only focused on the fact that like their BMI is considered overweight. And I think that kind of sucks. Um, So even the medical community is a little off at times with that sort of thing, which is super annoying. And it makes my clients feel like shit. And I don't, I don't like that very much. Um, But like I kind of briefly said, most people sort of get this when I talk about the Olympics. No one doubts an Olympic athlete's ability because we all see it and we're all like every two to four years, depending on whether you're watching winter or summer games, you're usually like in awe by the fact of like the talent and athletic ability that some of these people have. Like it's amazing to see. And nobody doubts that for a second. Like it's hard as hell to train and be in the Olympics. Nobody doubts that. So If you think about it, though, they all look very different depending on what sport they're involved in. So a gymnast versus a powerlifter versus a figure skater versus a sprinter versus even a long distance runner. There are two runners, but even they look different versus a hockey player versus a tennis player. Like you get the idea. These are all different sports. They all require an an admirable amount of athletic ability and training. And there's no doubting, like there's not a doubt in my mind or anyone else's mind that like this person is in shape and is healthy and fit and all this stuff. And every single one of those athletes, they look completely different, all of them. So just goes to show, like, when you say, like, fitness has a look, it's like, well, what does that even mean? What does that, what does that mean? Um, they're all engaging in some sort of physical activity. They're most likely probably paying attention to what they're putting in their body as far as nutrition goes. Hopefully they're also, uh, you know, like, attending to their mental health. And they all look different. So just keep that in Keep that in mind. It's always better to engage in health-promoting behaviors like eating nutrient-dense food, working out, uh, managing stress levels, uh, getting enough sleep, stuff like that. Like, no matter what size body you're in, that is going to serve you well in your life. Um, along with that is the second point that I'm going to make is about commenting on people's weight loss or really just their bodies in general. Um, I know if anyone has ever had like a change in their body or their body composition where they have lost weight or um, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was actually when I was pregnant. For some reason, when you're pregnant, that like gives 
people i don't know they're it's like free a free for all for them to like comment on your body and like how big you are and how you're carrying and it's it's fucking weird but <laughs> like this also happens with people who are not pregnant and i feel as though anytime lose it, someone loses weight it's praised and someone of course may be doing this on purpose and they may have worked very hard to get there and you know and like usually you will know when that happens either it will eventually come up in conversation or something like that um there are also a lot of reasons that people lose weight that aren't really healthy and to you know no fault of their own there's usually something else kind of going on in the background for them personally either physically or mentally that you might not know about so it feels super awkward if you know your mental health is like off the charts and that is affecting how you are consuming food and taking care of yourself and someone's like oh my god you lost so much weight you look great and you're like thanks i'm nauseous all the time and i can't like feed myself i cannot function right now but cool thanks so you know like eating disorders physical illnesses like cancer celiac disease uh ibs thyroid issues stressful life events like job loss or divorce um grief anxiety depression trauma ocd substance abuse adhd and then medications a lot of psych medications can cause you know either weight gain or weight loss um it can mess with your eating patterns diabetes medications even some antibiotics can cause some issues chemo like all of these things are hard for people any of the things that i just listed are not pleasant to go through so it feels weird when someone's like like i said you look great you've how much weight have you lost and lo and behold there's a lot of shit that you're going through in the background so that feels weird it's kind of it can feel kind of triggering it then you're like should i explain that like i didn't do anything like i can't really help that this is going on i feel awful like it's just it puts people in a weird position um some of those things that i listed above can cause weight gain as well um any of those like physical illnesses like i know some people who have had cancer treatment actually ended up gaining weight because they were on steroids forever you know, uh, different mental illnesses can either cause weight loss or weight gain, eating disorders. You know, I feel like we typically think of like anorexia, but there's also bulimia and binge eating disorder. Like there's a lot of things that can happen that may affect someone and may cause them to gain weight as well. And in order for someone to get themselves healthy in one way or another, maybe they had to focus on taking care of that illness and their fitness got sidelined for a while, or they went on a medication that causes them to gain weight. Do those things automatically make them not healthy if they gained weight as a result? I mean, you know, bodies change over our lifetime and in several ways and for various reasons, and that's okay. I feel like that's expected even. Like how many of us are the same size that we were in high school? Even if we are like active and working out, like things, happen um so just don't comment <laughs> on someone 
if they've lost weight and they've worked on changing their body composition, you'll probably know. People will talk about that. Um, you know, if you are close enough to them in their life, they might, it might come up organically in conversation. Or, you know, a lot of people will like tag themselves in workout classes on social media or they'll show off progress or share experiences. And so like, you'll probably know. And in that case, then, you know, congratulate them, ask them, you know, how hard they've been working, like focus on their behaviors and stuff like that. Uh, or otherwise just like, don't bring it up. Like weight loss isn't always inherently good and it might not be happening for like a good reason. So just, just be mindful of that. Point number three, this sort of also ties into fitness doesn't have a look. And I know this happens to guys. I'm not discounting that. But as a woman who works mainly with women, especially moms, this comes up a lot more for us in my experience. Again, I know that guys experience this stuff too, so I'm not discounting that. But it is something that I can relate to both as a woman and a trainer and coach who primarily works with women. Things like that are just part of the normal parts of your body have somehow been demonized as bad or a problem that needs to be fixed. Things like skin folds, loose skin, not having visible abs, a little bit of a belly pooch, cellulite, stretch marks. These things are present in some way and almost everyone. And I'm not a gambler. I do not like to lose money. But I bet that anyone listening to this right now has at least one of those characteristics because it's normal. <laughs> this tells us that you are a normal human being and nothing less and nothing more. You don't necessarily have to love those things about yourself. I mean, I'll be honest, like I have, let me say, probably all of those things at this point, especially after having a child. Um, and it just, it is what it is. I don't, I don't love all of that stuff, but it's just, I don't know. You kind of have to work on accepting it, I think, at some point, unless you are to go and do like a whole plastic surgery thing sort of situation. Because there's all those like creams and wraps and stuff like out there. They don't work. <laughs> they don't work. Time and time again, it has been proven that they don't work. And it makes sense. Like cellulite, for example, that is has a lot more to do with how our connective tissue with the fat cells underneath of our skin, especially in women, men have a different structure. So they are less likely to get cellulite, although it can happen to them as well. Ours is not as tightly knit as theirs, like our connective tissue um, beneath our skin. So it tends to, some of the fat tends to pocket there and that's it. There isn't really anything that we can do that. So a good do about that. So that is underneath of your skin. And then you're going to put a topical cream on top of it that doesn't penetrate your skin. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. So don't waste your money. Um, 
and you don't have to necessarily like those things about your appearance. And I actually don't recommend trying to force yourself into doing so because it's going to feel fake and gross if you're like, and just like grating on your soul if you're like trying to force that and saying things like, I love my stretch marks, when you know that deep down you don't believe that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's fine if you don't believe that, it, it, it's fine. This is kind of an example of toxic positivity where it's like invalidating and inauthentic, which is why it feels gross. And you feel like an idiot when you're standing in the mirror saying things like, I love my stretch marks, I love my cellulite, when you're like, actually, this sucks and I hate it. Um, So I actually don't recommend (laughs) trying to force yourself into that sort of situation and being like, oh my God, I love this when you don't. But a more realistic view might be taking like one baby step towards a neutral feeling about those features where, you know, you might not be saying things like, I love my stretch marks, but you might be saying something like, I have stretch marks. My body has grown in different ways. These are my genetics. I had a child. At least that's true for me. Um, and this is just what my skin looks like. So you're just stating facts. It kind of takes some of the emotional charge out of it. You're not really forcing yourself to feel one way or another about it. It just, it is what it is. Um, Other things you can do would be like thinking about what you've accomplished in your life, whether it be physical or just like in general, um, about how your body has carried you through that. That might be helpful as well. This might also feel forced and gross. So just be real with yourself. It might be helpful. You can acknowledge what the things that you're grateful for while still recognizing your negative feelings. Both can coexist. But it's kind of like getting yourself one more step towards neutral and just accepting that like this is a normal thing that happens to normal human bodies, especially over time. It happens to most of us. What is it? Like 90%? 80, I've heard anywhere from between like 80 to 95%, I'll put it that way, of women have cellulite. Like, it is what it is. Um, you might not like it, but at least start maybe thinking about getting yourself to a more neutral perspective on it rather than being on opposite ends of the spectrum, either like, I absolutely hate my body uh, which tends to kind of like spiral into other things, which we won't get into that, but um, versus trying to like go into the whole toxic positivity and like gaslight yourself into being like, I love my body and all of it's like just one step towards neutral. That's all we're working towards. Over time, that gets easier. And over time, you might notice that your mindset starts to change a little bit around that stuff and you start to care a whole lot less than you did before. Just a thought, obviously that takes a lot of work and can be helpful to, you know, work on that stuff with a coach or a therapist. Um, it was actually something that was recommended to me by my therapist, not necessarily towards body image, but towards something else. And I found it incredibly helpful that she was just like super real with me and was like, don't force yourself to feel positive, happy thoughts if you're not there. It's fine. Don't do that. Um, 
So it's okay. Like I said, it's okay to be grateful for what you have and move towards neutral and still have some negative feelings. Both can coexist. Hopefully that helps. The last point that I'm going to make today is I am looking and we're at 30 minutes and I'm rambling. So I'm going to try and keep this short. Um, the last thing I want to touch on today is that is a reminder that the scale does not tell you the whole story. And this kind of ties everything together as well. Fitness, again, does not have a look, does not necessarily have a weight attached to it. Health promoting behaviors like sleep, stress management, hydration, physical activity, eating nutrient dense foods most of the time, keeping up with your doctor's appointments, addressing um, your mental health, managing stress, making sure that you are, we are social creatures. So making sure that you have some sort of community, whether it be by birth in your family or not, making sure that you have people, your people. These are all important things. And actually, I think it was either my first or second podcast episode. I actually talked about different facets of health that make a, like come into play to make a person whole, like some sort of balance between all of them. So a scale can't really measure those things, right? It's just a number. Yeah. Also, like, how are you feeling physically and mentally? What does your lab work look like? If, you know, you're specifically talking about weight loss and body composition, there are other ways to track your progress. You can take measurements. You can use clothing as a gauge. I usually recommend, like, picking out a pair of jeans or something, jeans or a dress, uh, and just picking that one item of clothing, and that's kind of, like, your your gauge if you're going to go that way. You can take progress pictures. Building muscle mass is good for you. Um, bone and joint health, heart health, metabolism, it's good for all of those things, especially as we age. And there's also like a decreased risk of falls by doing things like strength training and building muscle. Um, I read a study, it was a meta-analysis on um, skeletal muscle and healthy aging from... Uh, the journal Biogerontology, and I stole their quote from there. It was like, instead of, if you're a nerd, you'll get this, like, live long and prosper. It was live strong and prosper. And this article was basically discussing the importance of consuming enough protein and also strength training through the lifespan. So older adults where, you know, they had more muscle mass because they were doing those things. Their bones and joints were in better shape and stronger. And they had a decreased risk of falls, which can be very dangerous for someone as, especially as they get up there age-wise. So the scale doesn't tell you that either. (laughs) It doesn't tell you all of those things. So really like take more of like a 30,000 foot view of your life and your behaviors and what else you're doing and not just on what number the scale says that morning. Uh, Actually, one of my friends who's also a uh, personal trainer and health coach 
posted a great example of this on Instagram the other day. She made like Instagram reel and she posted a picture of her scale and what it said first thing in the morning. And then um, afterwards she had, I don't think she'd eaten or drank anything yet, but I think she had gone to the bathroom and like both number one and number two. And I think the scale had dropped almost like a one and a half to two pounds or something like that just from that. Like, so again, (laughs) be mindful that like that doesn't tell you the whole story. It can fluctuate based on, you know, like what you ate the day before. If you had more fluids, salt, and sugar, your body's going to retain water. So your weight is going to go up, but it's just water. Uh, I remember years ago, this is not anytime recent, I was training for a marathon and I remember basically watching the same thing where I would, obviously I was paying attention to like carbs and electrolytes and fluid intake and stuff like that. And I would go out for like a long run, like, you know, eat, especially towards the end of my training, like 18 to 20 miles and come back and I would have lost like several pounds, which actually wasn't a good thing. I had to rehydrate like immediately, um, even though I was drinking like while I was running and stuff like that. Um, so again, I was like, it just kind of goes to show like once you start depleting uh, like water and carbohydrate stores, because your body does hang on to, uh, it can kind of modify the carbs that you eat in order to store them, to use them for fuel when you are not in like in between meals, basically. Fun fact, they store it in your liver and your skeletal muscles. And when you run out, you kind of end up losing weight. It's called glycogen. So especially that's why runners carb load because and it's not just like if you've ever seen The Office, it's not just like eating a bowl of fettuccine Alfredo before you go and run a 5K. It's a little bit more detailed than that. But that is one of the reasons why you talk like you hear athletes talk about carb loading. It is to increase their glycogen stores and their muscles to help them better prepare for race day and their weight fluctuates because of that. So take it with a grain of salt. It is a data point. It tells you one point of the whole picture of the story. So don't get caught up so much on what the scale says when there's other things to pay attention to. Um, and then, uh, I think actually a couple other things I didn't mention with that too, aside from like measurements and using clothing, you can also go by how you're feeling mentally and physically. You can also go by like how your workouts feel and, you know, are you recovering from workouts? Well, how are your sleep patterns? All that stuff too can also be influenced by, um, you know, like nutrition where, the scale can't tell you those things either. You kind of have to do the work and pay attention to how you're feeling to sort of figure that stuff out. So big picture, big picture, not just the scale. Um, and then, you know, it's happened to me in the past. It's happened to clients where you're like feeling good about yourself and you've been sticking to all of the things that you've been trying to do to be healthy. And then you step on the scale and it either hasn't moved or might have gone up. And then like that ruins the rest of your day. 
which sucks. You're like, I literally just stepped on the scale, saw this number, and now my day is ruined when I was feeling pretty pumped about myself and like all the things I've accomplished prior to stepping on the scale. Like that's not fair. Don't do yourself that disservice. Uh, Some people have, some people can kind of disconnect themselves from what the scale says and some people can't. So sometimes people are just better off not really using the scale a whole bunch and some people are fine with it. So it just depends on where you are kind of mentally, where your mindset is with that. Um, The scale is not good or bad. It is just, just information and that's, that's it. All right. Well, that's enough. I'm at 38 minutes. I'm going to stop rambling. Um, Part two will come out hopefully in two weeks. Um, Hopefully I will not wait as long to get this next episode out, but then I'll talk a lot more about like supplements, detoxes, crash dieting, uh, you know, eating organic food, using exercise as just a means to burn calories And things like weight training will make you bulky or cardio will make you lose your gains. Those are all not true. And we'll go into all of that stuff. So stay tuned for next week. Um, Again, I will post the link for my, um, my email list if you were interested in finding out more information about the hive, that six week program. And then also it's kind of like a little appetizer, uh, the healthy girl summer guide. So I will post that in the show notes. You can click on that, join my email list, and then you will get that info. Um, anytime between Wednesday, tomorrow, June 7th and Monday, June 12th, you can snag that. So have a wonderful day, stay healthy and stay safe. And I will talk to you guys next time.